Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome in the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for finding us on your favorite podcast platform or... Of course, on Dash Radio, the Nothing But Net channel. If you don't have that, download the Dash Radio app. Search for Nothing But Net. It is free, and we're on there every day from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. Pacific. Also, check out 5ReasonSports.com for all the latest South Florida sports content, not just the Heat, but also the Hurricanes off to a 2-0 start and now ranked as high as 12th. So make sure you check out all of our Hurricanes coverage, our Dolphins coverage. Of course, they fell to 0-2 today, so the breakdown of that is already on the website from Craig Davis. All of our stuff on the website is free. We don't have a paywall, and we'll take you right up until the Marlins playoffs, and obviously uh, as the Hurricanes continue to go through ACC season. Also, check out our YouTube channel. We've got new shows going up there all the time, as well as all the latest Zoom videos. All of the teams have credentialed us for those, so we put those up there. Brian Flores, the coach of the Miami Dolphins, that one just went up. Manny Diaz from the day before, and we have all of the heat Zooms as well. Also, check out the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. They are all local, including Mr. Kitchen. This is a new sponsor, the Five Reasons Sports Network. They can, have, they can fulfill all of your construction needs with licensed contractors. They're based right here in South Florida for the past 15 years. They do custom American-made cabinetries. They've got showrooms in Broward and Palm Beach counties. All you got to do is call or text a picture of your kitchen to 561-400-1195. Again, that's 561-400-1195, and you'll get a free estimate. You don't have to go visit a showroom at first. You don't have to do any of that. Just send it to them at 561-400-1195. You'll get a free estimate. And if you add the code five on the floor, you can either spell out the five or just use the number. You get 5% total off of the entire deal if you decide to go with Mr. Kitchen. So check out mrkitchen.org. Again, that's mrkitchen.org or text or call. Send a picture, 561-400-1195. And now, today's episode. One, two, three, four, five. On the floor. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick. With Alphonse Sidney, Alex Toledo, and Greg Sylvander. Part of the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back here on Five on the Floor. Here's today's floor plan. The Miami Heat now lead 2-1 to one in their Eastern Conference final series against the Boston Celtics. We did not pod after the game. We had a live stream instead. Uh, Alphonse Sidney led that one. So if you haven't checked that out, you certainly can. It'll be a slightly different tone than what we do here today. But Alf did a great job on there hosting it. Um, Greg Sylvander, who's with me today, he hosted the pregame uh, stream in my place. And Alex Toledo is going to be with us at some point today as well. Let's get right to the question. The floor plan today is very simple, Greg. Are the Heat in trouble? And this is 
this sounds like a stupid question when you're 10 and two in the postseason and you're up to one in the Eastern conference finals and there's no home road split. So really circumstances are not going to change. You don't got to travel. You don't got to deal with any of that, but on Twitter today, which is kind of the pulse that we take every day, Heat fans are freaked out. Uh, they're freaked out. I, I think not just because the heat lost the game that I, they somehow got within five points, even though they didn't play well and they didn't shoot well, but because of this trend of starting slow, trailing for most of the game in, you know, pretty much the entire series. And actually, this was the first time in years or in the entire bubble, I should say, that the Heat have trailed for the entire game. They, they never led in game three. Should Heat fans be concerned? The short answer is no. I mean, obviously, there's elements of each game that – bring cause for concern because obviously Boston has gotten out to double digit leads in all three, in all three games. So Boston's a formidable team. I mean, I, I know I've said heat and five and I even tried to revise my prediction to a sweep before the pregame show yesterday. Cause I get gassed up, but Boston is a, is a really uh, well coached um, team that's going to make adjustments that has the kind of offensive firepower that can get back into a series. So I don't think any of that should be a surprise, but I'm not concerned, and this is the biggest reason why. 12 of 44 from three-point land, 27%. If the Heat just shot their regular season average of 38%, they would have hit 17 threes instead of 12. And if you do the math there, and that's a victory. That's just one statistic if they just make more shots there. So ultimately, I don't think they're going to get a ton of games like this where they're shooting 12 of 44 from three. Dragic didn't play well. Jimmy was off and on, but more off than on. So ultimately, all those things, I feel like, um, yes, you don't want to see this happen, but it was inevitable that this was going to be a tougher series, and I'm not concerned yet. Are any of the trends concerning in the series, Alex? Yeah, uh, I'm not exactly <clears throat> scared. I'm not saying that the heater, you know, I think next game is extremely important. Obviously, that's that's something that anybody could say. But at the end of the day, you, there's some stuff from game two that I think does uh, kind of not bode well for Miami going forward just because they have to come out and actually the pressure's on them to adjust now to, uh, you know, more minutes of Marcus Smart guarding Goran Dragic, which I think did a really good job of kind of uh, – stopping that pick and roll game from getting too good, which Miami has just been spamming in this series. But I mean, it, for, for obvious reason, right? Because Kemba and Tice are the two guys who you want to go at. And I think that's somewhere where they can constantly create points, whether it's Goran scoring or Jimmy, I mean, or, or Bam scoring or getting a three out of that action. It's been extremely reliable for them. So I think that's why Stevens threw Marcus Smart on there for a lot, for an extended period of time to guard Goran Dragic. I want to see how uh, the Heat counter that next game. I wouldn't be surprised if they try to get – uh, smart switched off of Goran just because they've relied on that a lot. I, I think that's kind of given Jimmy a pass to not really be the the playmaking scorer for the entire game. And, and you know, a lot of Heat fans have been complaining that uh, he, he's only been really, really trying in the fourth quarter. And I think that's something that's only been possible because of how good Goran has been playing. So I think the smart thing is worrisome. And, and you also talk about Hayward, who didn't play great yesterday. You know, someone who can really help him with the zone and they, they kind of can go to that smart – uh, that smart Hayward, Tatum, Brown, Kemba lineup, that small one that uh, didn't play much all season but gave the Heat problems last night. So I think the pressure is now on the Heat to see how they kind of adjust and attack those two specific things. Let's pivot back to Butler because I think that's the talk on Twitter. 
uh, Greg, and and Alex mentions it that he's had the luxury of waiting in some of these games, right? I mean, he had the big 40-point game, and since then, if you look at his overall scoring, most of it has come, you know, second half. Uh, a lot of it has come at the line. It has not been particularly concerning to me because there is that crazy stat that I started citing way back in, like, February that when he has five or fewer field goals made, that he'd have a better record. It's almost as – I don't know if it's chicken or the egg. I don't know if it's that – you know, he figures he has to do other things because he's not shooting well. And so he locks in on that end or others teammates do that. But it's not a trend that you would see with other teams. If LeBron, uh, if Kawhi, if Giannis, if Harden, if Lillard, right? Any of your premier scorers in the league was held to five field goals made. You're losing. <laughs> the Heat this year have won when Jimmy has done that. And I think it, it's kind of reshaped the way that people view him as a player. But I do think his overall intensity and energy needs to pick up at the beginning of the game. I don't care if he's scoring, but this thing, and LeBron used to do it with the heat sometimes too. Like he's feeling the game. Okay. Where was he in the first quarter? And this team, I don't think this team has the, has the luxury of that. Okay. I don't think they're good enough for that. They don't have a Dwayne Wade who, if, or Chris Bosh, who, if LeBron is, you know, kind of, again, sort of, taking his turn here or taking his time that they can make up for it. They have really good shooters. They have a really, you know, a really creative scorer in, in Goron, but a lot of that is based on Jimmy being Jimmy and, 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 and Jimmy was not Jimmy in game three. And I would say there's been a lot of pockets during the playoffs where Jimmy has not been what we anticipated. Yeah, no, that, there's, there's no doubt about that. I think that his timely contributions have maybe allowed us to have a little bit shorter memories when it comes to how he's played, how he's shot. I mean, they won game two and he was four of 11. So, I, I mean, he wasn't great in that game either, but he had some timely, you know, key steals late uh, in the last game. He more than anybody looked like a guy who knew he was up 2-0 and maybe approached the start of that game like let's get everybody else going because I'm going to at some point be able to pick up the slack and then it just didn't necessarily transpire that way. I think game four is particularly critical that Jimmy approach in an alpha way from a scoring perspective and really um, getting to the line, setting a precedent early that he's going to be aggressive because this is a game where now the, the, the overall pressure has shifted just a tad towards Miami's direction. How are they going to respond? They have three days to adjust now. So Jimmy Butler shouldn't have any um, concerns in terms of being uh, overused or um, fatigued in any way. I do have to say in the second half, I thought he looked a little labored. He wasn't, he looked a little like he was ginger in the way he was running and moving. Um, I don't know if there's anything lingering there at all, but ultimately they're going to need Jimmy to be Jimmy in the next game and going forward in this series and obviously if they advance yeah well I, I can tell you that the toe was an issue uh prior to the bubble and it wasn't discussed a whole lot but what I was told was that it stopped flaring up in the bubble that that he's he's had time to get that to go down to get the inflammation to go down of course he had the ankle earlier in the bubble um he's had a series and we talked about the i mean this wouldn't affect him from a running standpoint but we've talked about the elbow we've talked about the shoulder at times this year i mean jimmy you know there's the weight of all those tibs years right and as hard as jimmy plays and as hard as he practices that that's part of it alex we have typically uh 
sort of classified downtime in the bubble as a positive for the Heat, right? Dragic gets a little bit more rest. Jimmy, again, gets himself together. I mean, they've been together for a long time now. It doesn't hurt to have a couple days off. This is the one time, though, that I actually think the time off helps the other team more. Because, remember, Boston came off that seven-game brutal series with Toronto with not a ton of time to kind of recover. They had a little bit. They were given a little bit more than we expected. With not a ton of time, and then went right into this series with a team that was waiting for them or Toronto. Uh, I kind of feel that you got three days to get Hayward to get, you know, the ankle feeling a little bit better, get acclimated with them. They've been going real short rotation here for about a month. I, I, I feel that the rest benefits Boston more. Am I wrong? You see, I, I tend to think the opposite just off the, you know, especially with, with what's happened with Andre Iguodala in the past two second halves, where, you know, what he's had that back tightness. I don't know what happened uh, last game as far as him getting benched in the second half, but uh, I think it, he could really use it. And I think he is important to the Heat beating the Celtics in this series because, you know, he's a wing defender. They have a lot of wings who can beat the Heat, uh, specifically Tatum. They need him to guard Tatum when Crowder and, and Jimmy aren't. But more than that, Goron, right? Like we, we, we said it a bunch of times. Goron has been awesome. He's been their third all star in this playoff series. And now he's going to have to have, you know, extended Marcus Smart minutes on him. So I think he's definitely going to appreciate the rest. He didn't look good last game. Uh, I'm not worried about him, but I do think he could use it. And, and then the same thing for Jimmy, right? Like, I think he just needs a little bit of time off. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's done a lot. I'm not here to say that Jimmy's been disappointing or anything. I think he had uh, last game was disappointing for him. Like there was a few times I think he passed up some open layups and that's just been who he's been all year as far as in the first half, getting other guys going. But I do think the rest will be useful for the Heat at this point. And, and, and really for the adjustment part too, for, right. for trying to – Spo having all this time to really create uh, a plan for what, what, how they're going to adjust to the Celtics adjustments. Uh, I think Ethan brought up good points in terms of Hayward getting a couple more days to get that ankle iced and, and also this team now getting a few days to reset and actually prepare for a series almost like you would go into a game one. But this is the other thing. They just came off a big victory that they had to have. And I kind of feel like the momentum that you would maybe carry into a game four that you would have got from the game three victory, that a little bit of the spin comes off that fastball now that you get a few days off. So I think that that could actually help help Miami and that both teams get to get a hard reset here for a few days. Whereas that momentum shift that you feel from a victory, Boston's mm -hmm. not getting to take advantage of that going into game four. And the pressure's still on Boston too. That's why it's like I, the resting to me is like, yeah, they're just, they can be relaxed all they want. It's good for Hayward for sure. But the, the pressure is still on them to come out and beat the heat next game where they're going to be down three, one. And I know we've seen it happen in this, in the bubble. I just, you know, it's the pressure is absolutely still on them because even if the Heat do go down two two, right? Like, you, you, it's a best of three series. But if the you know if it becomes a three one series, yeah, good luck, Boston, to lose. I mean, winning three out of the next four versus this Heat team. No, and I'm with you on that, and I do think that the narrative shifting here plays a role too because I kind of feel like the Heat was getting so much national media love, right? So much a lot of like overcompensation, huh? Okay. I'm right for the, you know, making up for the entire season, right? Where everybody ignored this team, you know, Bam's not a star. Who the hell's Duncan Robinson, Tyler hero. What uh, was the white, white dude. Okay. You know, you know, uh, you know, contributing to the, all of that stuff. They paid no attention to this team or when they did, it was kind of dismissing them. And then all of a sudden this was like a world beating team. 
And, and I wonder if that got in the Heat's heads a little bit. Um, I, I think that, that it, it, it may have affected them a little bit. They have not been in that kind of situation uh, before. Um, you know, I, I don't, I just don't, it shouldn't have affected Jimmy, but we've talked about this with Jimmy. Jimmy is not a front runner. I, no, I said this on many all. episodes. He, he is a back against the wall type person. <laughs> and and I, I feel like getting up 2-0 with everybody saying how great they were, you're not going to get the most focused Jimmy Butler. You're going to get the most focused Jimmy Butler when you're saying the NMFR can't play. He's not a lead guy on a championship team. They're not going anywhere. That's the Jimmy Butler, you know, that is going to get, you know, pr prime intensity. Now, I believe you'll get it in the next game because he's going to be hearing for a couple games now that Boston's recovered, that Tatum's the best player in the series, that everybody's going to want Celtics-Lakers. As we're talking now, the Lakers are beating the Nuggets. So, you know, the NBA can get closer to its dream finals. Can that I happen? Think, I think that's what you're going to hear, right? I think that's what you're going to hear. And I, I think that helps um, Jimmy from that perspective. My single biggest concern for the heat going into game four, we're going to get into some more specifics of this is Dragic. I, I, we have taken Goran for granted because he has been so good in the playoffs. Okay. And we kind of predicted this, but in that game, you mentioned the Marcus smart adjustment, but just generally, I just thought he looked tired. He was hitting front rim. Um, you know, he's been, he's been playing heavy, heavy minutes for a long period of time. I understand they had a long break before that, but this is a condensed period. He's playing heavy minutes and he's handling a lot more of the burden that he did in the regular season. And I, I think he does need the break, but I don't know if two or three days is going to be enough. I, I, I'm a little concerned about him having, you know, him tailing off a little bit because if he does, they got to get it from somebody else. You know, you're going to get it from hero but you're not getting it from none. I think we have to just assume at this point, you're not getting it from none. I don't know if he sees the floor again. And so Jimmy is going to have to dictate a lot of that stuff. He's going to have to take it back from Goron and say, look, <laughs> I trust you. I, you know, we need you, but this one's mine. And it's kind of that thing where it was like, when he scored the 40, he says, them effers, MFers knew I wasn't passing the ball. There needs to be a little bit of that. I'm not saying all the time, like I said, it's intensity. I want more from him than scoring but he has to take some of that intensity off of Goron's shoulders. Cause I feel like that's the one guy who could wear down here. Yeah. Cause what, what has raised this team ceiling is the fact that Dragic has essentially been able to play like a third all-star that, you know, we always talk about this team, who's going to be the third guy. Goran has been that in the playoffs and then hero has been unbelievable. So you've almost got like a semi-star that's also pr producing. If those two guys, I mean, hero was great, but if, if Dragic doesn't continue that kind of play, it, there's a hole there and it's not a hole that can't be filled in terms of that. I think Jimmy could up his scoring average, keep, you know, go forward. I think the Duncan could get unlocked a little bit more. We started to see a little bit of that shift um, recently and hero continues to be consistent. So it's not that they, you know, if, if Dragic tails off a bit that they can't survive, get through this series. I don't know. I think they're going to need the best version of Goran Dragic to beat the Lakers, but I think they can still get through this series, but it's going to require Jimmy Butler kind of going back to the drawing board and being a player that's going to just control the game it doesn't mean he needs to score 29 35 he just needs to be the one who is in control and you can see it because we've seen it in these playoffs some of those runs late against the bucks where he was just dominating the game and it didn't mean he was scoring 35 that's the kind of jimmy butler they're going to need 
What do you think, Alex? I mean, are you you have any concerns about Goran? I mean, he he's been tremendous, but I mean, how how long can we expect him to average twenty two five and five? I mean, it's tough, right? Like, I don't really know what the answer to that is because, like, like we've talked about, none of us saw this coming. So I don't really want to put a box on him. Like, the guy clearly has just been extremely motivated and is just maybe looking like the best version of himself as far as in the playoffs. I I, I don't know how long he could keep this up. I wouldn't be surprised if he kept it up for the rest of the, for the playoff run. And the guy is 34. I'm not surprised that he has games like the one that he had last game. Like he's allowed to have these games. He he's had more of them, right? Like he had a great regular season, but this guy who he's been in the playoffs is a different level. So I trust him. I trust him a lot. I, I, I trust that his team is going to figure it out. I, I think last game was kind of a punch in the gut for all of them. I think the effort thing was something that's been well documented, but the Celtics do not mess around. Like, it's not like – they're not Budenholzer. They're not Milwaukee. They're not just going to let you keep doing the same thing over and over. They have so many different weapons, and they have a lot of ways they can guard the heat. I think particularly something we haven't talked about is that uh, game three was the best the Celtics have looked on defense in the whole series. And I think we came into it kind of like, uh, yeah, this is a really, really good uh, defensive team. But the Heat's offensive rating in the first two games, I don't have the number on me right now. It was really, really good. And, yes, those are – two games it's a two game sample size but the heat being able to score consistently in in high stakes playoff games on 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 the top five defense i mean you saw it in versus indiana you saw it against milwaukee now you're seeing it against boston and if they do eliminate boston they're gonna have to get the lakers in the finals another elite defense i think that bodes well for them and the fact that they've kind of just proved time and time over and over again that they will overcome the odds i trust them at this point i do all right let's dig into this more after the break but first a word from safe cubbies I want to introduce you to another of the great new sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and it is a sponsor that would be important in any time if you want to have a beautiful workspace, but it's especially important now when you need a safe one as well, and that's safe cubbies.com which offers modular office solutions designed to elevate your open office into a modern and safe environment at any budget you can personalize your workspace with options like whiteboards magnetic panels acrylic sheets and graphic branding most of the surfaces are non-porous for easy cleaning and can be removed or replaced within minutes now this is for workplaces they've got a bunch of different options on their professional series but also they've got private room solutions dividers and sneeze guards and they have a classroom series as well so if you're involved with the school this is definitely something your school should check out of course if we have school in the fall and that's the point here we were entering a new normal period with COVID-19 safecubbies.com which is locally owned is the place that you want to go the phone number is 754-216-1071 again that's 754-216-1071 or safecubbies.com all right, Ethan Skolnick back on five on the floor. I got Greg Sylvander and I've got Alex Toledo. You were talking a little bit about the defense uh, there on the other side with Boston. I, one of the interesting things to me about the way the national media has covered this series is that they have kind of put the Heat's defense in the same category as the Lakers and Boston. When they talk about it, they're talking about the, the Heat's kind of elite defense, which again makes me think they didn't watch this team the whole year. Because, I mean, we how many podcasts, how many episodes did we devote to the fact that they were not very good defensively, particularly before, right before they got Iguodala and Crowder, uh, and now it's just assumed that their defense is going to be really good, 
and I think it has been good enough. Again, I think it was good enough to win game three if, if you don't miss 15 straight three-point attempts. Um, I, I think they've funneled the ball to the right people. They've tried to make Marcus Smart beat them um, as much as they possibly can. Look, Jalen Brown is the one guy who we talked about before the series – uh, is kind of the barometer for Boston. When he scores 20, he they win. Keep, when he scores he 20, they win. Playing like trash. I mean, relative to how he usually plays, like he did in games one and two, I think that was the Jalen Brown game for sure. Right. And, and look, Kemba Walker, you know, is going to have better moments than he had the first couple games of the series. But I don't think that the Heat's overall defense has been a problem um, to the point that I don't think that Eric Spolster has to overcompensate by rolling out even more defensive guys, okay, necessarily. Maybe but I do, do think Derek Jones Jr. has given them something a little bit different. How would you defend Boston in game four now that you've added Hayward, who is in some ways kind of the antidote to the zone? Because as Cooper Moorhead's uh, written about quite a bit, putting Hayward in the middle of that zone where you have another playmaker who can create for other people – gives you something that you don't have with Marcus Smart, don't have with Wanamaker, don't have with some others on the roster. Do you scrap the zone? What, what exactly do you get back to your, your tight man-to-man principles, your lock and trail? What, what do you do there, Alex? I mean, that's a really tough question. I think, I, I, like, like I talked about before, I suppose we, I think I trust him more than anybody to figure it out, but it's just not an easy question to answer because essentially the Celtics can now ha- go to this lineup with, you know, uh, no big man, and really put problems on the Heat until they, they find a way to beat it. Because once you do that, they kind of make Jimmy and Bam have to be scorers. Because if all the Celtics players are constantly shutting down all those perimeter actions, and they're just kind of face guarding all the Heat's perimeter players, I think it puts a lot of pressure on Jimmy and Bam to kind of make something happen one-on-one. That's not their game. And I think even though both of these teams are small and play kind of motion offenses, very well-coached teams, they're both kind of similar. I mean, where, where they're different is the fact that the Heat are trying to make the Celtics go away from all, from all the one-on-one stuff, right? Like we, we, the zone is to get rid of those matchups and kind of make sure that those matchups don't come into play as much and that there's always kind of somebody there to help so that Tatum and Kemba aren't beating one-on-one, whereas the, the Heat, the, the opposite is true, right? Like the Celtics are trying to get them to stop the motion offense stuff and to make them into one-on-one guys. So I think that stylistic battle might end up deciding – the series because it's going to be who who can push that who can push what they're trying to push more that whether it's the heat trying to force the Celtics into less one-on-one stuff or it where it's whether it's the Celtics doing the opposite for the heat um you know when you talk about heat defense specifically I don't really think that this is a, a big strategic question mark that they have to like unpack how they're going to adjust to do things differently. They're going to continue to mix it up. Um, I think in, in game two, if I remember correctly, they were doing all four of the things, Ethan, that you mentioned from a defensive perspective, and it was changing by possession. I think, I think that, that for last game too. That, that kind of unpredictability, that, that's not broken. It just – this is more about disposition than it is anything strategic. Spolstra said that in press conferences recently, and I think it's a really important factor. This has everything to do with bringing max effort and then, like, it's not even defensive. This is about hitting shots. They are going to live and die by the three-pointer, and they got to make those shots. But from a defensive side, it's not about strategy. I don't think that they change much there. It's all about the disposition and, and their approach from an effort and intensity perspective. All right, so let's get into some of these players because you talk about making shots. And the key guy in terms of that, you know, coming into this series and coming to the postseason was Duncan Robinson. 
And so now we've seen, you know, moments where Duncan has broken out a little bit uh, and it still hasn't mattered, at least not in terms of, you know, the heat going on a big run. We've also seen some games that Duncan struggles. Uh, To me, the the key thing with Duncan was once Hayward gets stuck in, in the rotation, it makes it harder to play Duncan for extended minutes. I, I just, you're adding, I, this is why Boston was such a concern the whole season was that, you know, basically all of us have the memories in our head of, of Duncan getting, you know, abused by Hayward late in the game in Miami. Uh, how much can you play him? How much do you stick with him? And, and to add to that, if you don't have Kendrick Nunn as a playable option at this point, are we just talking about Tyler Heroes playing 35 to 38 minutes? Yeah, I mean, he, he's playing those minutes anyway, but I, I think you stick with Duncan. I think that um, what's hurting you in this circumstance is if Gordon Hayward is going to be able to play more minutes and gets more and more involved as the series goes on, is you really need that other wing and Andre Iguodala to be available and able to play more than seven or eight minutes. And, and that's really what you're missing in this circumstance. Uh, Duncan was four of eight from three. I know he hit six because Brady Hawk predicted it in the prior game to that. The issue here is you have Goran Dragic and Jay Crowder, two for three for 15, you know, particularly Jay Crowder, two of 10 from three. So it's one of those things where it's not as much about whether Duncan was effective or not. It's just, you had other guys that couldn't hit the broadside of a barn and like, you need Iguodala. If Hayward is going to be a more of a factor, they're going to size down. It's going to be this all-wing lineup that they have to try to match up against. They can't lose uh, a, a wing that's capable of hitting a three-point shot because Derek Jones Jr., that's you know an up-and-down thing uh, in comparison to Iggy. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I don't know that we're going to see Kedrick Nunn going forward. The, 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 the Iguodala stuff, like they said, becomes more pertinent now because you know they're, they're healthy. But now, I mean... I guess Derrick Jones Jr. is officially part of the rotation now, baby. <laughs> he's made it. Uh, I think he's played well. I think he's earned his minutes over Kendrick Nunn. I think he's, he's played very well defensively. And he, he's going to be one of those guys now that gets thrown in. And, you know, make make that one three, man. We need <laughs> make that one three. Just make them respect you a little bit. As, they're not, as long as they're not leaving him completely open, I think, <laughs> I think that's good. I, I'm optimistic in what the Heat can do defensively with Derrick Jones Jr. Maybe, I mean, honestly, Solomon Hill, I don't think it's a terrible idea either. I'm not saying that, that they're, we're going to see him, but theoretically it would make sense just to have another wing body in there, especially if Iguodala is still going through the back tightness stuff. And, I mean, the guy is 36 years old, you know, and so – I think that he'd have the bodies to do it, but they're just going to have to slightly adjust some of their defensive principles. If there's going to be more wing minutes and less, you know, uh, Robert Williams and semi Ojale, and instead you've got Hayward there. So they're just going to have to, I think just the margins for error have become a lot thinner. Greg, was it you who tweeted about Olenek? I, I, or was, I, I thought it was you who tweeted about Olenek. I, I read a tweet basically saying that yeah. Kelly needs to be better if he's going to play. I, I expected more in this series. I, I, you started to see it in game one. You really haven't seen it since. Um, he should be out playing the Williamses, I think. Uh, they did try some of those Bama Linux minutes yesterday briefly, uh, you know, as, as, we're, as we're recording this on a Sunday. I, can they get more out of him? And if they can't get more out of him, do you just, I mean, again, shorten the rotation further? Can you even look at Myers in this matchup at all? Uh, what do you do there? You need more from Olenek, there's no doubt. He's another guy. I mean, I just harped on Dragic and Jay Crowder shooting. He was 0-4 from three. And Olenek's 
primary thing that he's bringing to the table is is his ability to stretch the floor in these circumstances with the pick and pop stuff and being a release valve out on the edges so for him to not be able to do that um also he's not rebounding and um you know there was kind of some sloppy play uh just overall he just looked a step slow i guess is what i mean um but i don't think that you can really limit his minutes any further because essentially what he's providing you now is the bam relief minutes just so that bam can take a breather and you you can't get away from that. I mean, he's not going to play 48 minutes a night. So essentially that's what you can um, earmark for Kelly Olenek. I don't know that you're going to shift to Myers Leonard all of a sudden. I don't know that the things that you want from the big um, Myers Leonard is going to bring anyway. Uh, He's not a player that is – he's actually more shy to shoot it than Kelly Olenek is, and you need a guy to just launch it. So ultimately, I think you stick with KO, but I will say that against Boston, because we've seen him have that revenge game up in Boston uh, two seasons ago and just generally play pretty well against them, to see him kind of be as underwhelming as he is, it, that is a tough, uh, a tough draw for him. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. They absolutely need more from him because, like you said, if he's not contributing offensively, he's not contributing very much at all. And I also agree that you can't cut down his minutes because once Bam isn't in there, he's giving you those minutes where, like, they can still run the same type of offense, right? And obviously, Bam and Kelly are not the same player. Where Bam likes to roll more, Kelly will pop more. And I think we were all kind of expecting the pick and pop uh, with Kelly to be something that was uh, pertinent in the series. The problem is Robert Williams has been benched because he is the guy who really drops really low and has been kind of killed by the pick and pop, especially, like, last series it happened with Ibaka. And Kelly Olenek is a better shooter than Ibaka and I just think he's not playing now I think Grant Williams is a far better defender he comes out on the perimeter a lot more he can move Robert Williams is still kind of raw you know he's he's a he's a vertical threat that he don't have to deal with that anymore but because of him not being there I just think they have better defenders on the floor and Kelly doesn't have the space that I think we thought he might have had I do think they got to kind of involve him in some more uh, handoff stuff because I think he really gets going there and they can get a lot of stuff going off of that and you know, just to mix it up so he's not always just a pick-and-pop big, just waiting there. I think that gets him in a rhythm. Uh, I'm I'm still confident that Kelly can make an impact on the series. All right, we're going to get some more here in a second. And as we speak, the Lakers are now, I think, only up two on Denver. So we might have spoken a little bit too soon there. I want to tell you about another great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that's our friend Louis Peters over at State Farm. This is an agency representing the number one auto and home insurer in the United States. More than 60 years of combined experience in the insurance industry. These are local agents that understand South Florida's unique market, and they've got access 24-7. You can go on the website, louispeters.com. That's L-U-I-S, peters.com. Or you can walk in. It's over on Southwest 117th Avenue in Miami. Like I said, you can click in, or you can call in at 305-275-5585. This is personalized service tailored to each and every customer. There are no cookie cutter solutions in insurance and if you reach out to louis make him feel a little better about the dolphin game he's a big dolphin fan as well as a heat fan so check out louispeters.com again it's l-u-i-s-peters.com for any of your insurance needs all right i was going to talk a little bit lakers here um but i feel like i've already jinxed them so let's wait on that let's 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 see we're gonna that keep thing. doubting nuggets huh? we're gonna keep doing well, this I, 
I, well, look, they could even be down 3-1, and, and we, should, uh, we should not doubt them anymore. My, Michael Porter Jr. made that shot over LeBron today. I, I don't know how the hell he made that. But, yeah, so we'll, we'll stay away from it a little bit. I don't want to jinx it. Plus, Heat fans will get pissed at me. Uh, they already don't want me going to the bubble, which is something that I'm already planning for if the Heat make the finals. So th- there's an assumption that I'm going to jinx that. But additionally, that I will jinx them if I talk about a Lakers Heat final. So, so we're not going to do that. Um, let, let's get back to this series in particular and a couple of the other things that, that could happen that, that we kind of uh, want to see happen if, if the Heat are going to pull this thing out. Uh, Kemba Walker, Miami's approach to Kemba Walker so far I think has been good. Um, I think they've learned some lessons from 2016. They have more defenders to throw at Kemba than they did in 2016. He's been inefficient as he was in 2016. I don't feel like he's collapsed their defense as much as he did then, but also they don't rely on him uh, quite as for as many pick and rolls or, or even ISOs as, as Charlotte did at the time. Uh, does their approach in any way need to change? And are we still sort of afraid of the Kemba Walker game or after the last two he played against Toronto, which were not great, and then the first three of this series, you're kind of like, okay, he's good, but he's not the big issue. Well, I think that's concerning because uh, I don't feel exactly as confident, right? Like, I'm confident, right? Because I think we don't, we've seen them do a good job on Kemba. But I think, honestly, a lot of it really just has to do with Bam. Like, I think the reason they, they look so good on Kemba is because every time he's collapsing, Bam is right there. And it's, they do not have to worry about Tice posting anybody up, right? Like, if you would have run if, – if it was, a let's say, Kemba Walker played for the Bucks, I think that would have created a lot of problems, right? Because – you cannot switch off of Brook. I mean, Brook Lopez will kill you in a post up. Like you, you, whoever switches onto him, uh, he will do that. Tice will not do that. So I think Bam has had the luxury of being able to just switch onto Kemba every time. And I think that's kind of been something that they've drilled into him. And it's obvious, right? Like there, there's been certain there's certain things that Bam has done in this series that he doesn't usually do. Like I think almost uh, the thing that he does with Tice, where he slips the the screen before he actually sets the screen and really just gets going. Like there's certain things that the Heat have drilled to make to, to make sure to do versus the Celtics team. And, and one of those is, bam, switch on to Kemba every single time. I do feel good about that. But things change once again with that all-wing lineup. You can't do that anymore. I mean, you can. But I guess it's uh, – you, you, I guess in that situation, you put Bam on smart so you can help off a of smart or, you know, something like that to get him to be the one open and not somebody else more dangerous. But, again, it's just these problems become a little bit harder – to solve. And that's, I think what the Heat have been extremely good at in this off season. I mean, in this postseason, is being a problem solving team. Uh, I've been pretty happy with what they've done with Kemba Walker, honestly, because uh, you know, there's two things with Kemba that can get really difficult for Miami. One is if he's just hitting everything and he's scoring big and they just can't stop him. And two is if he is, uh, breaking down the defense, getting into the lanes, and getting other guys involved. Throughout the season, he you know, averaged five assists and two turnovers. If you look in this series, uh, just from a turnovers perspective, uh, three turnovers in game one, five in game two, four in game three. Uh, and only six, three, and two assists. So it's like he's not really doing both. He's not scoring a ton and also getting other guys involved. So I'm happy with the way that they're playing him. I feel that there is probably uh, some opportunities to do some trapping uh, 
before they even cross half court, some, you know, like maybe three quarter court, picking up, picking him up a little bit more, turning him more often, uh, just kind of basic stuff. But ultimately I just think you just have to make him work. And it's more of a, again, it's an intensity thing uh, for this team versus anything schematic that has to change. All right. I want to switch over to one of the heat guards now. And I threw something out on Twitter today that we've talked about a little bit here on five on the floor that, that I think is going to actually happen now. And I know we don't want to progress too far beyond this series, but we're seeing the beginnings of it in this series. I could very well see Tyler Hero being the leading scorer on the Heat next year. Um, That's something I thought would probably happen by his third season. Again, of course, it depends. When people, I tweeted that, people said yes for Washington or Indiana. We're not going there, okay? Not right now. Uh, But I'm not saying he's going to average 22 next year. But what I'm saying is I could see him average 17 or 18, and I could see that leading the heat because I, I, I don't think Jimmy cares about that scoring role. I think Bam may not be ready to be a 20-point scorer in the league. You know, maybe he progresses a little bit that way. I think, obviously, Dragic is going to be, you know, monitored during the regular season next year like he was during this regular season. Probably goes back to the bench with Tyler Hero becoming a starter next year and becomes your sixth man again. I very well could see that happening. And I, I feel like the deference that that heat players have shown towards hero during the postseason is paving the way for that. And I only think it's going to happen more and more as the postseason progresses. Like I think we've only seen tip of the iceberg here. I think Tyler hero is going to probably average 20 the rest of the postseason because it seems like that's the direction that not only he wants to go, but his coach wants it to go and his teammates want it to go. I mean, what the hell are we talking about? Uh, this, this young kid is going to average 20 the rest of the playoffs. Even if they got to the finals, if he's averaging that, it's just unheard of. Um, but kind of to get back to what you're saying, they've empowered Tyler from day one. The players have always treated him like he was, he was going to be a hooper, and that's just how that was. And you're seeing it more and more in the way that he's scoring the ball. I think that this is a precursor to what we'll see going forward. I think the guy that could actually take a scoring leap that maybe we're not – giving enough attention to his Bam Adebayo. I really yes. think that that, that he's approaching – just you see flashes of things that I think if he can hone in on how to do it more, there's just he – can, he can kind of stumble his way into 18 or 19 a game. So, so he may end up being in that conversation as well. But Hero, he's gearing up to not only become a starting player for this team next season, um, but also absolutely I think that he would be that guy that maybe would be the lead scorer. But, uh, you know, Jimmy would be doing a lot of the other things and occasionally having that kind of night. So, we're, I mean, it's not crazy, even though when you look at his age, I, I just um, – I continue to be uh, dumbfounded by it. It's unbelievable. And, and, I, and I'm with you guys. It's not crazy at all. And, and we all know that all of us here kind of all season have been saying, yeah, let's go with Hero as a starter. He's absolutely played himself into that now, right? And I think assuming Hero starts next season, maybe he doesn't, but assuming he starts at some point, even if it isn't right away, I just don't see how he's not averaging at least 16, 17 a game, if not more. I wouldn't be surprised if Jimmy, Bam, and Tyler are all kind of hovering around 18, 19 points a game next season mm-hmm. just because I do – Mm-hmm. such a motion offense where even though Jimmy and Bam get a lot of the usage, I think Hero will kind of slide in there if he gets that starting job in, into what Dragic has done in the bubble because it, it has given them another dimension to have a ball handler who can leverage his jumper and, and can work the pick and roll off of that because Kendrick Nunn had the jumper all season, but he, he can never had the pick and roll game. And I think that makes Bam better and why Bam just looks awesome because Goron is constantly there to set him up and to leverage the defense with a jumper. 
And I think Hero gives them those same threats. When you're talking about just kind of running an offense and, and developing those guys, would you be surprised if they were all averaging somewhere around 18, 19 next season? Oh, that's exactly what I think is going to happen. I, I don't think this team is going to have a 20-point score next year. Oh, man. I, I, I th- and I think Duncan Robinson could be averaging 15 to 17 also. I, I think they could have four scorers, uh, four or five scorers averaging 15 or more. I, I, I think that's the way that they're set up. I think and that's Goran the way they the want fifth. to be set up. So, and Goran <laughs> would be the fifth. But, yeah, but I think his minutes will be scaled down a little bit more. But I want, to, I want to give this to you guys because I got a lot of heat, no pun intended, for my tweet about how Tyler Hero, could, this could end up being the best rookie postseason in Heat history, okay? All right? And then everybody's like, what are you saying about Dwayne? And then Dwayne quote tweeted it in a positive way, okay? So he didn't fight it. Here you go. Dwayne Wade's rookie, rookie playoffs, 13 games. He averaged 39 minutes a game. Stan, Stan did not spare him. <laughs> 39 minutes a game, 13 games, all starts, of course. 18 points, four rebounds, five and a half assists, and a steal. Four and a half turnovers, by the way. He was playing point, remember. Tyler Hero has now played 12 playoff games. He's just one playoff game short. He's averaging 15 points, five and a half rebounds, four assists. Okay, he's not shooting quite Dwayne's percentages, but I bet I bet his true shooting percentages are about the same, or um, or at least his, his effective field goal percentage because he's shooting forty two percent, but thirty six percent over thirty six percent from three. Uh, Dwayne hardly shot threes as a rookie, as you know, and shot forty five forty six percent overall. So it, it comes out to about the same. I mean, literally, he's putting up Dwayne Wade's rookie postseason. Uh- through 12 games and doing it off the bench in 33 minutes, not 39 minutes. This is the thing, Ethan, if you mention Tyler hero and Dwayne Wade in the same tweet, that is blasphemy. And you're obviously comparing them <laughs> to, and you're saying that Tyler hero is going to be as good as Dwayne Wade for his whole career. And um, there's no context or, um, of, or nuance being taken into consideration there. It's just, we're looking at these two, two runs in a vacuum and what Tyler has done. It's, it's really actually quite similar to Dwayne in the way that, that the team is trusting them late in games to run offense and to be a primary option um, coming through in the clutch is another thing that Tyler hero is doing very similar to Dwayne. So it, it's really, it's not, it's not in an effort to take anything away from what Dwayne Wade did. It's really just to show how remarkable it is. It's not that he's the second coming at all. He's the first Tyler hero. And um, it's, 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 when you get into a situation where you're in the Eastern Conference Finals with those kinds of stakes, and then if this were to advance further, and then he's in the NBA Finals doing it, I don't know how you could not rank it as the best Heat rookie playoff run ever. I mean, come on. He's in the Finals if they get there. Alex is shaking his head. Well, okay. I, I don't necessarily disagree with you guys. I don't. I just think – I mean, it's – it's crazy, right? Like that we're in, we're talking about Tyler Hero at this point, comparing him to Dwayne. And I know we're not actually comparing him to Dwayne, but the stat line is very similar. I would say, you know, this is just kind of just a, for on the record, you do kind of have to adjust for the math that there's way more possessions being played now. That's true. No, that's true. That's true. That's true. But he's playing six fewer minutes a game too. No, so and, I, I, and yeah, you know, it's impressive, it. man. He's coming off the bench and putting up the stat line and, and then staying in as, as a closer and coming through as a closer. And I just think he, he's improved in pretty much every facet of his game in one way or another. And it's really not crazy to talk about Tyler Hero like this. I think maybe before we kind of talked about him from a developmental standpoint and really getting him those reps. He's gotten the reps now. He's proved himself. And I, I mean, 
my God, the the fact that you guys are the ones kind of doing this whole thing, comparing him to Dwayne is, is what's kind of really uh, hitting me. Cause you guys are the ones that have been around way longer than I have when it well, comes yeah, to so you you're the just proper calling perspective. Us old, but I'm, you're calling us old, but I'm looking well, at a photo. I'm looking at a photo on my wall of the Dwayne runner in, which is my, my favorite picture here that somebody else took the Dwayne runner in the lane. Um, you know, obviously with PJ Brown with his arm up and, you know, making the shot against new Orleans as a rookie in game one. And, uh, and, and I'm literally sitting, I mean, you can see me wearing glasses, you know, in, in my dorkier glasses that I'm wearing now, uh, sitting behind the baseline, watching that shot go in. So it takes a lot for me to come to this place and to kind of tag Dwayne in a tweet about it. But it is what we're seeing. I think the one thing you would say uh, that has made this more challenging, made it more challenging for Dwayne than it is for Tyler is Dwayne really struggled in some of those road games in the postseason. If you go back and look, oh, he yeah. had some game, real game three in Charlotte was, oh, it was good. a disaster. Okay. Yeah. No, New Orleans. Remember but yeah, that oh, time, yeah, yeah, yeah. At Sorry. The time was New Orleans, but, but yeah, he was awful in that game. His percentages were awful. Uh, and so I, he had some of those road experiences that Tyler has not had. And it, you can't just say, well, and Tyler Dwayne did it know, versus it like in, in a 20,000, you know, an arena with 20,000 people. Different I think deal. It's hard. It's hard to compare as much as hard to compare, as Tyler but also is. Dwayne had the crowd at his back in the home games. And Tyler has not had that experience. Tyler is a 20 year old who's been, you know, trapped in quarantine uh, for, sure. for, you know, for two months. That's a Tyler definitely experience. plays off the crowd and the crowd absolutely yes. loves Tyler here. Like more than God. any other player on the Being heat at those heat games. Yes. They, they freaking love that guy. Like anytime he does anything, the crowd is going absolutely nuts. Like I, it's unbelievable just how much, like how, how much he's just kind of attracted Heat fans so naturally, even though he was this no-name guy who everybody was pissed at. It's like, oh, who's this white boy? And now, now look how we're talking about him. Like, it's unbelievable, yeah. man. But, but in the antiseptic uh, environment that he's had now, he's had to generate his own work, his own intensity, his own passion with Jimmy and Udonis and others, obviously, and Andre obviously got, you know, pushing him. But I, I think, look, he's not Dwayne Wade. Okay, he's also two years younger than Dwayne was, Okay. As, as a, you know, in the rookie season, he's not Dwayne Wade. we're not saying he's We're not saying he's going to be Dwayne. I understand the differences in pace. The difference is not being a starter. The difference is not going on the road, but there's been this build to him getting more and more responsibility. And I, I, I th look, I think Jimmy would love it. If, if Tyler is the one leading the way late in some of these games and it just gets people off Jimmy's back. I mean, it's, it's not about him because it reflects on Jimmy in a positive way because you keep talking about what a good teammate Jimmy is, which is really nobody's really questioned if Jimmy's a good basketball player. The question coming into Miami was, was he a good teammate? Well, what Tyler is doing, what Duncan has done, what others have done has kind of shown that we got one more topic to get to before we do I want to tell you about another great sponsor of the five reasons sports network. And that's Biscayne Bay brewing. This is the official beer, not only of inner Miami and the Miami Marlins, but of us, the five reasons sports network. This is South Florida's actual independent brewery. It's owned by local guys who employ people in this community to make their beer right here in South Florida. These guys are committed to our community and to supporting five reasons sports. So we can keep bringing you all the local sports content that you can handle. If you care about supporting local business and drinking amazing beer, grab their stuff, whether Marlins lager, Miami pale ale or tropical Bay IPA at all major retailers throughout South Florida. Biscayne Bay Brewing is the beer we're drinking at Five Reasons Sports, and it's the, uh, also the sponsor of some of our streams on the YouTube channel. All right, last question. I want to save something for tomorrow because we've got another day to get to before we uh, – we got two more days to get to before we get to a game. So we're going to have to come up with some other topics. But one more real quick. 
is Kendrick Nunn, if we all sort of agree it may not be salvageable in the playoffs, is that situation salvageable for the Heat going forward? In other words, do you think that a two-month break for Kendrick Nunn just to clear everything out, clear the cachet, right? Clear out the cookies, okay, get, clear the history, and just start from day one again. Do you think he can still be a functional player for the Heat? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, it can't hurt for him to get a hard reset and take some time off. I think that it, it is salvageable, um, but it's going to be under different conditions. I think that Kendrick Nunn was awarded that start, starting spot. He was um, the guy uh, that, you know, he essentially had the green light on offense in ways that nobody could have predicted. And some of that may have to be walked back a bit. So it's going to be in a different role next year. But I think that uh, the, they have vested interest in, in Kendrick Nunn figuring it out, either as as a, as a trade asset and a, a viable young piece that can sweeten a deal um, or as a contributor for their team as a cost-controlled player, uh, you know, going forward and he's young. So th there's no reason for them to bail that quickly, but it, it is a shame to kind of see it flicker out the way that it is. You would hope that one of these series would provide a matchup or some sort of circumstantial um, position where he would get the opportunity to break out of this and it just hasn't happened so it's probably not going to be till next year and um he probably wants that uh that breather too and try to just uh you know kind of get away from from all of this yeah um there's no doubting i think that he's salvageable i don't think somebody who you know put up 15 as a rookie even though he's an older rookie i think there's no doubting that he can be a functional player for the heat again and I'm going to say it again. I just think he's way better playing off the starters. Not that I think he should go back to starting. I, I think we've seen how good Goran has looked and we've seen how, you know, Tyler absolutely deserves more trust than Kendrick Nunn does at this point. I just think Kendrick is a limited player, doesn't have the same, you know, dynamic uh, ball shot creation skills that I think Hero and Dragic poses, which is why I think he needs to play off of Jimmy and Bam. But at the end of the day, I just think he really needs to work at the the, the handling stuff this summer and I think all of those things are kind of going to get better with more reps next season. It's just going to be tough because if he doesn't start, I mean, if he's coming off the bench with Dragic, they got to make that work. But more than that, like, I want to see improvement from Kendrick Nunn. I want to see him actually come out and, you know, maybe not get killed uh, coming off screens so much on defense. But more than that is really just kind of figure out how to be a guard who can leverage the defense. And I just think he looked – behind as a decision maker and it's really it's really shown itself in the playoffs where he's not playing off the two the team's best playmakers and the team's best formula which is the Jimmy Bam and Duncan and the gravity that they have as a, the, the the core of the team which is why I think Kendrick and Myers look so good I think when they're coming off the bench they don't have that same benefit of the doubt and against three elite defenses like of course he's going to struggle I don't think he's that player yet uh, he needs to be set up and until proven otherwise I, I, I like He's not that guy. I, I do think he can be that guy, but I think he could be a really good bench player for years to come. He just got to go in a couple more years developing some of those skills. I, I think the thing that works for him is, again, he's not going to have these circumstances. It wasn't just COVID. It was a personal issue he was dealing with. He was going through a lot. He's right? going through a lot of stuff at the same time and then dealing with kind of, you know, the way Goron was playing and trying to work his way back and the way Hero was progressing. So that stuff goes away. But the one thing you hit on that I think is problematic for him going forward is if Hero is going to be a starter, and I do think that's going to happen, 
the Dragic nun combination is just, I just don't think it's long-term workable. And if you've made a decision that Goran Dragic is coming back, which I think is a decision that Goran made for them, if it wasn't made already, I just don't know how Kendrick can be more than a spot player off the bench. And if that's the case, then not only is he not a big factor for you, but then he's not the trade ship uh, maybe to get to somewhere else. And then he just becomes a throw in where it's like a team can make something of him. And that's not the way we were thinking of him three, four months ago. We're thinking of him as second in the year and rookie second and rookie of the year voting. It's totally different. I hope, I hope, you know, that he can find a role. I just don't think it's going to be in this postseason. And I'm looking at again, not to look too far ahead, but if, if they did play the Lakers, we'll save other episodes for this, but if they did play the Lakers, uh, I don't really know what the role is there for him either. Maybe against uh, waiters isn't playing maybe against Caruso, maybe some against KCP, maybe some against Rondo. I don't really like that for them. So, but anyway, I'm not going to do any more of that. People are going to get pissed at me. All right. The one other thing we didn't do today was give you a code word for you break wheel fix. So I hope you remember the other three. I hope you remember the other three because we're going to do a fourth one tomorrow night. Um, check out youbreakwheelfix.com. All right, we'll be back tomorrow and Tuesday. What we're going to talk about, I'm not entirely sure, but hopefully you got enough out of this episode. We may maybe bring some a guest Bam. On. Well, maybe Bam. We'll devote an episode the to The best Bam. player in the series, Bam Adebayo. All right, have a good night. Aren't you supposed to say he culture at the end? Culture, baby. Okay, there you go. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.